Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. September 11, Terror 2.0. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. And today we're going to be talking about September 11, Terror 2.0. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, um, just to go back for a minute to this September 11th, this anniversary, the 22nd anniversary, it was a very interesting um, day. A lot of mixtures of feelings, a lot of mixtures of events. And um, I was talking, as you may um, may have anticipated from my previous podcast, and if you haven't listened to that, I really would urge you to listen to the um, prior podcast because I talk all about 9-11 and all about how um, this year, the Biden Obama-Biden White House is making us again working hard to make us forget about 9-11, the real 9-11, to forget the anniversary, to forget uh, commemorating it and so on. And it was so interesting that um, the uh, Ground Zero, you know, reading of the names, the people at Ground Zero reading the names, they seemed more sad than in past years. There was something extra. It wasn't just that they were missing their loved one. Of course, there was that in tears, you know, every time they think about the person and, and at this ceremony in particular. But um, there was a sadness and a, and a, a sort of a, a despondency um, uh, about the fact that, about the fact that the White House is um, not showing the proper recognition of 9-11 and of terrorism for that matter, but especially in regard to 9-11 at this anniversary. Now, as I talked about in more detail, so I'm not gonna go through the whole thing again, but um, there were many ways in which this year, uh, Biden and Obama uh, made it even worse, made their forgetting, that made it even clearer to people. They didn't even try to hide it. They made it even clearer to people that they were trying to get us to forget 9-11. And some of the ways that they did that were, um, first of all, with the museum. The last last year, they had they didn't pay for the um, tribute museum to they didn't save it by supporting it, and after it had lost a lot of money during the lockdowns and so on. And this year, um, they um, are talking about a twenty three dollar toll if to go into Lower Manhattan, which means that the one museum that's left, the National Nine Eleven Museum on ground zero, of course, in lower Manhattan, that there are going to be fewer people going there because they have to pay a $23 toll. I mean, they're talking about the exact number, but they're they're talking about planning a toll. So um, that's one way. Another way was um, that, uh, well, President Biden, the key way was President Biden wasn't even at ground zero or any of the other um, 
uh, sites of the attacks, the, the field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, or the Pentagon, uh, or Ground Zero. He wasn't in any of them. He was in Alaska, of all places. And, um, and the people at Ground Zero, as I was just talking about, I think that part of their um, disappointment uh, was that he wasn't there, that even the president, this is the first time that a president of the United States hasn't been at one of the uh, places of the attacks. So, you know, it was showing, it was a slap in the face. It was showing them that he doesn't really respect them or their loved ones who died or got injured or, you know, any of the people who have been dying since 9-11 because of the first responders, because of having been at 9-11 at ground zero in the Twin Towers and so on, and um, subsequently got cancer and other diseases. And then also, um, there is this whole, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. Um, there was Biden almost pardoned, gave a plea deal to the five terrorists who were left at Guantanamo who were involved in 9-11. Um, and then last but not least, the mayor of New York decided he would give, he would allow mosques to blare out calls to prayer uh, out of loudspeakers in mosques <laughs> all throughout New York City. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, what kind of protests there are to that. But obviously, at the very least, it's going to trigger people, uh, trigger people's memories of 9-11, people who have PTSD, trigger, trigger people's memories of, of the attack on New York and, and all the other places as well. So, okay, so that's what I mean by September 11th, Tarrant 2.0. There have been things subsequent to all of these issues, which you can hear more about in the prior podcast, but I'm going to talk about sort of the fallout of some of these things. Um, first of all, there is um, a, right after 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security warns, well, the Department of Homeland Security is concentrating on domestic terrorism, saying that domestic terrorists are a greater threat than radical Islamist terrorists from ISIS and Al Qaeda and um, and the Taliban and any and and the other myriad groups, smaller terrorist groups. So while DA, the Department of Homeland Security is concentrating, trying to get us to pay attention to and be worried about domestic terrorists. You know, they're talking about um, extremists of various sorts. Um, Al-Qaeda uh, and the other terrorist groups have not given up. They are certainly planning to um, to continue their attack. I mean, this 9-11 wasn't something that just came out of the, well, it did come out of the blue sky. <laughs> but, um, uh, but they are certainly continuing because for over a thousand years, it has been, you know, according to, they have been told, um, according to the Quran and according to their religious leaders, radical Islamists, that um, that this is what they have to do. That to be that the most the biggest honor is to um, wage jihad. So okay, the news now is that um, Al Qaeda they commemorated nine uh, eleven the, the anniversary this year more than Biden did, and they are threatening a new attack on the U.S worse than 9-11. They have written about this. This isn't just uh, uh, random you know, conversations. They have it in their magazine. So 
while we were, uh, while the White House was, you know, doing their best to ignore 9-11 and terrorism, Al-Qaeda was commemorating it in their magazine. So um, they issued this new threat to the United States, you know, vowing that they're going to carry out an attack in the future that's going to be far worse than 9-11. Now, this is coming just as Homeland Security is, um, is again stating the false claim that the threat of domestic violent terror, well, the threat of the domestic violent extremist is the most prominent terrorism related threat that we have to worry about. Meanwhile, while they're worrying about, you know, PTA parents and so on, who they're calling terrorists, um, Al-Qaeda is being quite clear uh, and stating that there are going to be worse attacks than 9-11. So there's a magazine uh, that Al-Qaeda puts out called Al-Sahab Media Foundation. Well, that's the foundation that puts out the magazine. And it, the magazine is called Uma Wahida which means one Ummah, which means one global Islamic community. And so in this magazine, a glossy, slick magazine, they dedicated it to the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. They're doing more than America is. So um, this is what they say. Um, they On the cover, well, first of all, on the cover of the magazine, they have a quote from the Quran. And this is the quote, quote, they thought that their strongholds would protect them from Allah, but Allah reached them from a place they did not expect and cast terror in their hearts so that they ruined their houses with their own hands and the hands of the believers. So learn a lesson, O you who have eyes. That is the quote on this uh, commemorative magazine edition. Um, in regard to the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. Now, this quote is a, is a, a very interesting um, choice because um, the, the point here is it's talking about infidels, you know, non-believers, um, how they, quote, ruined their houses with their own hands. Now, they're really talking about the United States not being uh, careful enough to protect itself from terrorists like Al-Qaeda. Now, this idea that infidels would destroy themselves, and we're the infidels, <laughs> we are the non-believers, would destroy themselves is also found in the Muslim Brotherhood's plan for the US. Now, this was in an internal document that was captured during the FBI's investigation of the Holy Land Foundation. Um, it, and, and um, Islamic charity in 2007. Um, and this is what this is what this internal document of the mother Muslim Brotherhood said, quote, the Ikhwan, which means Muslim Brotherhood, must understand that their work in America is a kind of grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house by their own hands, Americans' own hands, and the hands of the believers, also the, the hands of, of the radical Islamists, so that it is eliminated and God's religion is made victorious over all other religions. Now, radical Islamists do not want to, do not believe in 
you know, that it's good enough to just um, um, worship uh, with their radical Islamist beliefs. They don't want any other beliefs, any other religions to be around. Now, um, this idea that that unbelievers, you know, the West, um, like Americans, would sabotage their own house, you know, may seem strange. Like, why would we sabotage our own house? But in fact, um, with the Department of Homeland Security ignoring the continuing threat from Al Qaeda and other jihad groups, and just paying attention to the what they're calling domestic terrorists, which are basically their political foes, then um, then this is what is allowing our house, allowing our country to be vulnerable to terrorists. Um, also, the the Department of Homeland Security, which was um, you know created to meet the threat of jihad terrorism, it's now protecting us from climate change. And as well, these political foes who, you know, who they don't want to have freedom of speech. Meanwhile, Al-Qaeda is saying, is declaring that, quote, the coming Islamic blow, unquote, must have, quote, effects and reverberations, unquote, that surpass those of the September 11, of the September raids. So, you know, they're saying that um, they're, they're Al-Qaeda is basically say, repeating that Al-Qaeda um, wants to surpass what they did on 9-11. Um, they're doing this to accomplish the goals of, quote, snatching away America's prestige, shaking its domination in our region, limiting its capabilities vis-a-vis -vis the international community, and creating as many deep fissures and vertical cracks in the structure of the global order as possible. After that, they say, quote, Allah willing, Al-Qaeda and its heroes will play a great role in redrawing the maps of power in the world. That's what this is all about. It's not just about, you know, uh, striking the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, the... Um, the well obviously not the, the pennsylvania field though they were planning to go to washington dc but it's not just this one-off attack it is about taking over america taking over the western world mm -hmm. and that is what they find, feel that they are very much on track to do well when we come back um i will tell you about the next uh another you know <laughs> while we were sleeping basically you know while everybody's uh not paying attention. Well, actually, you know, it was ironic. I was saying that people who were reading the names of Ground Zero looked, you know, forlorn, um, sad, disappointed, despondent, um, neglected, you know, because because of all the things, as I was saying, that the White House wasn't doing, notably by not being at Ground Zero. Um, but in a strange way, there were some people were reacting almost in spite of that to work harder to commemorate this anniversary. I mean, I was doing interviews all day on 9-11, starting at three in the morning and going through to, to the evening. Um, and people were very receptive, wanting to hear about why we shouldn't 
ever forget 9-11. It's more than a bun bumper sticker. Um, you know, never forget. It's more than a bumper sticker. Um, it is something very important. Notably, he who forgets history is doomed to repeat it. So in the next segment, we're going to be talking about some of the ways, other ways, in addition to uh, Al-Qaeda actually putting in writing in their fancy magazine that they're going to be attacking us in a greater way than 9-11. There are also other ways in which um, terrorists are are showing their strength, are rattling their sabers <laughs> and their suicide vests and um, showing us that, yes, indeed, we do have to be concerned about uh, they haven't gone away and, and we still have to be concerned about them. So we will talk more about, we're going to talk about what um, a lawsuit that CARE, uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations, they just filed a lawsuit uh, against the federal government, the American United States federal government. And then we're going to be talking about a defendant in Guantanamo. And then we're going to be talking about the 9-11 families who are backing a bill to hold terrorists accountable. All of this stuff, <laughs> you know, it's it's not 9-11 and done, either from the point of view of the commemorating the anniversary and the point of view of uh, how there is still much more danger from terrorists. So stay tuned. Uh, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about September 11, Terror 2.0. Um, we've been talking about the, the um, fallout, basically, of uh, the 9-11 anniversary and um, what is happening, you know, how terrorists are not one and done and what they're doing to continue to promote themselves. Okay, so here's a story about how CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, is filing a lawsuit against the federal government. Um, and CARE is connected to Hamas, which is a terror organization. Um, it's the Palestinian Islamic Militants. The, they were, it was founded in 1987 and it's in power in Gaza and it's funded by Iran. And it was founded by a Palestinian uh, cleric who became an activist in the Muslim Brotherhood. So, okay, so what is CARE doing? Why are they filing a lawsuit? CARE, CARE likes to file lawsuits um, and claim that all these you know, things that America is doing are anti-Islamic. Um, anti um, so this time they are filing a lawsuit to discontinue the terrorism watch list. Can you believe that? Uh, the terrorism watch list was created after 9-11 and um, it is one of the few things that still remains in terms of a hindrance uh, to terrorists coming into the United States. And so this group, this um, radical Islamic group uh, you know, they, they pretend the Council on American Islamic Relations, well, first of all, tries to deny that they're linked to terrorism in any way. Um, and um, even though they are linked to Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. But in any case, um, this time they are suing the federal government um, because they are claiming that the terrorist watch list is used for, quote, harassment and humiliation 
and should be discontinued. Uh, this it was filed by the Michigan chapter of CARE, and um, they filed it on behalf of twelve plaintiffs against twenty nine U.S. federal government representatives, and this includes the U.S. Attorney General, the FBI Director, and the U.S. Secret Service Director. Now um, they claim that um, American Muslims are targeted by the federal government's unconstitutional discriminatory watch list. And they are saying that they're standing up to demand justice after 20 years of unjust targeting, meaning, you know, all the years past 9-11, well, all the years since the terrorist watch list was created. So they're claiming that the, that the um, these defendants, you know, the U.S., basically, uh, violated the Fifth Amendment due process, violated equal protection under the law, and self-incrimination protections by placing plaintiffs and other individuals on the terrorist screen database, the TSDS, as well as the no-fly list and selectee list without any meaningful process. In other words, they're putting anybody and anybody on there just because they're Muslim. They're also claiming that... Um, the U.S. has violated the Fourth Amendment by subjecting watchlisted individuals to unreasonable searches and seizures when they cross the border to enter the United States, which is kind of strange because these days anybody is crossing the border and not really getting very searched or seized. <laughs> um, they claim, in addition, that the watchlist program is a violation of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act by substantially bur burdening individuals' practice of Islam by, quote, repeated and intrusive government inquiry, unquote, into their beliefs, religious communities, and religious practices. So this is what these plaintiffs, CARE, the Council um, on American-Islamic Relations, this is what they are seeking by filing this lawsuit. They're seeking injunctions that require that the US federal government remedy all these problems um, by providing individuals on the watch list, notice of why they are on the list, as well as a meaningful opportunity to contest their inclusion. They're also looking for, they're um, requesting that they be removed from the list and um, that, that they claim inhibit their travel or ability to access government benefits. And, um, and that they, at the, their, the record of the list, the watch list, would their inclusion be permanently expunged. And also they're asking for the watch list system to be reformed to eliminate any discriminatory focus on Muslim identity or religious practice. Uh, and they're also asking for a trial by jury so that they can uh, announce all their complaints. And of course, they're asking for money. So um, they claim that watch list placement sentences innocent Americans to permanent second class citizenship. And um, they say that on the rare occasion that the government removes a person from the watch list, a person's a uh, past watch list will continue to haunt them. Having been on the watch list will continue to haunt them. 
And they say that federal agencies retain records of past watch list status and use them to deny formerly listed individuals access to government buildings, security clearances, federal employment, and other licenses and government benefits. I mean, they're pretty much, uh, <laughs> they want they want to disband the watch list, bottom line. Um, and so they're claiming all of these various things. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully the watch list will not be disbanded because as I said, that's one of the few things um, that are keeping us providing some protection obviously not enough since terrorists are coming through the southern border and the northern border as we speak but um it's something okay now let's talk about um what is happening to the 9-11 terrorists who are in guantanamo now um as i started to mention one of the things that biden uh did for this 9-11 anniversary which was so stupid. It was to, I mean, the timing, well, the whole thing was stupid, but but what was also just, part, the part of it was that was really ridiculous was um, sending a letter to the families who have lo lost loved ones right before this 9-11 anniversary. I mean, the whole plan was really bad, but to tell them about it right before the anniversary was incredibly bad timing. Um, there was a plan that was a plea deal that was put forth by the lawyers for the five uh, Guantanamo terrorists who were involved in 9-11. There are five terrorists left who were perpetrators of 9-11. And um, the, their lawyers tried to get them a plea deal where they would admit their guilt. And um, for that, they would uh, the, the death penalty was, would be taken off the table. Well, needless to say, the relatives of the uh, of the victims, I mean, they're victims too, but, you know, the people who, the families of the people who died and the family, other people who are victims of 9-11 obviously got furious uh, about this possibility that they would take away the death penalty. In the end, um, well, it's not really, the, it hasn't really ended yet, but um, what happened, at least in regard to 9-11, um, to the anniversary, uh, Biden walked this back. You know, somebody must have tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, Joe, uh, this was not a good plan and particularly not right before uh, the anniversary because, you know, you got all these people angry at you, which may in fact be part of the reason why Joe was in Alaska <laughs> instead of at Ground Zero. But anyhow, um, the what he did, said was to try to save face, he said that he decided not to go through with this plea deal because there were things in the plea deal that he didn't like, like where they wanted to have, continue to have um, meals and prayers together. So apparently that's what they've been doing, having meals and, and prayers together um, in Guantanamo, all these people who, who uh, brought us 9-11. Anyhow, there is one, um, one of these terrorists named Ramzi bin al-Sheib, He's 51 years old, and he has just recently been ruled um, not fit for trial uh, he, because of for psychiatric reasons. A military mental health panel said that he had PTSD, psychosis, and delusions, 
and the law his lawyers blamed this on torture by the CIA of course um they blamed it on that and so now the a judge decided that he was not fit for a death penalty trial um so because he was too psychologically damaged to be able to help in his own defense so okay so that's one down <laughs> um He's not going to he's not going to go to trial and he's not going to um, he's not going to have the death penalty. Now, this man, uh, Ramzi bin Al-Sheib, was charged as an accomplice in the attacks. He is accused of helping organize a cell of hijackers in Hamburg, Germany, um, whose leader, the leader of this cell, commandeered flight number 11 and flew it into the World Trade Center on 9-11. So that was his part in this uh, attack. So, um, and so his lawyer is saying that the CIA torture made him crazy, basically. Um, now the prosecutors, on the other hand, they tried to get the judge to reject a finding by a team of US military psychiatrists and a forensic psychologist that he had, quote, a mental disease or defect, unquote, that left him, quote, unable to understand the nature of the proceedings against him or cooperate intelligently with his legal team. That's, you know, as a forensic psychiatrist, I am often called upon to determine this, not of, so far, not of terrorists, but in generally people um, who are on trial for, for criminal um, reasons. And so the person has to, um, the defendant, if the if the defendant, in order to be fit for trial, the defend a defendant can't have a mental disease or defect that makes them unable to understand the nature of the proceedings and um, cooperate with their legal team. So, for example, questions are asked like. Um, you know, what does a judge do and what does your attorney do and what are you charged with? And um, uh, what does that, you know, other, the prosecutor do? And, and um, you know, all kinds of basic questions to see if they understand what's going on and if they can help their uh, attorney to defend them. Like, in other words, if they can be in, rational enough to help them. Now, um, this Mr. Uh, this terrorist, Ramzi bin al-Sheib, um, has said for years that he was tormented by invisible forces that caused his bed and cell to vibrate and that stung his genitals, depriving him of sleep. And um, his lawyer is saying that this is because he was subjected to, quote, enhanced interrogation, unquote such as waterboarding, beatings, and sleep deprivation. His attorney told the judge that he was a broken man from CIA detention in 2002 to 2006. He was held during this time in solitary confinement. He was deprived of sleep and abused in other ways, according to his lawyer, including being forced to stand changed, chained and in a diaper for up to three days at a time being forced to stand chained and in a diaper for up to three days at a time. Well, I'm sure that that wasn't pleasant, but <laughs> what he did on 9-11 wasn't either. Uh, it was a lot worse. Um, 
Now, also, um, El Shahib, um, Al Shib, I'm sorry. Um, he, when his, apparently, when his defense attorneys were trying to work with him to help him, you know, when they were meeting with him all along um, to try to get his cooperation to tell them things that could help in his defense, he was trying all the time to talk about his delusions, um, asking them to try to help him to, to um, tell the prisoner commanders uh, to be nicer to him, you know, when they would come and respond to his angry outbursts and his efforts to damage his cell, uh, they would put him in isolation, which reminded him of his solitary confinement. I mean, basically, it's all the same thing. And so, um, so he was, you know, talking about his delusions, totally focused on his delusions, and he, you know, apparently couldn't help his attorneys to to um, work up a defense for him. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I think that would have been pretty hard even if he was cooperating, but anyway. Um, so he made them try to stop his delusions. Now, you know, there is, I don't know who the psychiatrists were for him, but I can tell you that there is psychiatric medication for delusions and hallucinations and all these various things that he complained about. Um, so, so the judge said, uh, suspended his prosecution until his mental health is restored. But I'm not quite sure how that's going to happen if uh, he doesn't, if he can refuse to take medication and so on. Now, they, the, he was asking his lawyers one thing, make the prison stop assaulting me with its invisible system of sleep deprivation. And of course, the prison staff say that they are doing nothing to, to stop him from sleeping. And he's been like this the whole time. Well, um, there are, let me continue with some more on him. Um, so let's see. So there are still the four others and they are still supposed to face trial. Um, now his defense attorneys have said that the best hope um, of Al-Sheib, for Al-Sheib, who is a Yemeni accused of organizing the cell, the German cell, as I mentioned, um, to regain competency is a step that they think that Americans aren't gonna like. And that would be for him to be provided with post-torture trauma care and no longer subject to solitary confinement. Well, I'm not really sure whether, um, I don't know that, that the families, the 9-11 families, wouldn't prefer that he be rehabilitated, treated, basically, um, so that he can stand trial and can face the death penalty. I think they should take a vote. <laughs> so um, he's a native of Yemen. He's been in custody since September 2002 when he was arrested in Pakistan. Four years later, he was transferred to Guantanamo and where he has remained there ever since. Um, you know, again, they're claiming that he went insane because of all this so-called torture. Uh, in 2008, he made headlines because he launched into an unhinged rant during a hearing at, at, at Guantanamo. And um, he has 
caused his mental state to be an issue ever since. Um, so that is pretty much the story of Ramzi bin al-Sheed. Now remember also at Guantanamo is um, the mastermind under Osama bin Laden uh, the mastermind of 9/11 and and then um, and then other 9/11 terrorists. So their fate is still to be decided as well. When we come back, um, I'm going to be telling you about uh, what the 9/11 families are doing to try to hold terrorists accountable. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about September 11 Terror 2.0. Um, the main point of all this is to show you that uh, it's not over. <laughs> First of all, um, the impact of 9-11 on all of us is not over, um, psychologically and in many other ways, not just for the people who lost loved ones, but it has been affecting all of us and continues to in many ways. So, um, but here are some particular things, you know, that uh, from the terrorist point of view, <laughs> and <laughs> that shows that they, uh, you know, it's certainly not over for them. Okay, so now we're going to talk about 9-11 families back bill to hold terrorists accountable. The 9-11 families, I mean, not only are horrible things happening, like Biden not coming to ground zero and so on, but they feel that um, they have never really uh, had an accountability for 9-11. You know, no one has really, I mean, yes, sure, there were some funds for, um, for the families and there were funds for people who were injured and so on. And, um, and you know, for people who were the first, first responders who are suffering from cancer and so on, from being at ground zero. Uh, exposed to all the cancerogenic particles. Um, so there have been funds of various sort, but none of them have really uh, taken care of enough of what people have been suffering from 9-11. So now um, the survivors of the 9-11 attacks and their family and the family members of those who died are urging Congress to pass a bill that they say will finally hold the terrorists who were re responsible for 9-11 accountable in the courts. So there are 4,000 people, 4,000 of these um, uh, survivors and family members who are um, have formed a contingent, you know, have formed a group um, asking for certain things. And so they are asking, um, they are asking for, the for Congress to pass, uh, they they wrote a letter and they asked Congress to pass the a bill called the Ter ensuring ensuring justice for victims of terrorism act, ensuring justice for victims of terrorism act. Now this is an update to a previous bill that had been proposed that was called Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act. So that was introduced to Congress earlier, but um, the courts have apparently misinterpreted this first bill 
And so um, it has, you know, not gone anywhere. It hasn't uh, resulted in any kind of justice. Um, so what this group is particularly fighting for, they want a, to hold Saudi Arabia accountable for its role in the attacks. Now, of the 19 hijackers who participated in 9-11, 15 were Saudi nationals, and Osama bin Laden came from a wealthy Saudi family. So Saudi Arabia seems to be the country most to blame for all of this. Now, Saudi Arabia have denied, has denied that they had any role in 9-11. And of course, they're refusing to, um, to pay any compensation or do, you know, do anything. <laughs> um, now, this updated bill, the... Um, the yes, the updated bill. There are three changes uh, that they want to it, that they put forward in this updated bill to make things clearer from the prior bill. So first of all, they want to reaffirm that injured plaintiffs can sue any person or entity, including a foreign state like Saudi Arabia for aiding and abetting terrorism. Second change they want is to ensure that plaintiffs, if they obtain a, um, a claim, uh, you know, if they win their claim, that they can collect their judgment. And the third point uh, that they want to update is to make it so that um, it, it clarifies that all US citizens injured in their person, business, or property may seek recovery in the U.S. civil justice system from those who commit or aid and abet a terrorist attack in the U.S. So now, um, you know, you would think, why would anybody go against this? This sounds fine. Yes, they should get some kind of accountability and some kind of compensation and so on. Um, and you would think that the White House would want this because it sends the message that any terror group that attacks Americans on US soil or anyone who helps them will be held responsible. Well, so far the president hasn't replied to the letter that this group has sent. And um, this of course has made them very angry and frustrated. And they were already frustrated by Biden being absent during the 9-11 memorials. So, and also because of the plea agreements that Biden almost went along with, sparing them the death penalty. So the people, the, the victims and the victims' families are not happy as well. They have a right to not to be, to not be happy, you know, with what's been happening or what's not been happening. Now, um, also, Biden, they're also angry because this year, this past anniversary, um, Biden made certain remarks that were pretty outrageous. He lied about when he first visited the wreckage of the Twin Towers. And he smiled during a photo op with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, which is the kingdom's de facto leader. And this was just two days before the anniversary this year. And then also there was another mistake that made during this year, well, mistake, if you want to think of it as a mistake, you know, rather than on purpose, 
But anyway, during the 9-11 memorials, uh, the White House National Security Council spokesperson posted a message on social media on X, formerly called Twitter, welcoming the announcement by Saudi Arabia to commit $20 billion to support Biden's partnership for global infrastructure. So Saudi Arabia is giving Biden money for supposedly to be directed to his partnership for global infrastructure, whatever the hell that is. And um, so no wonder he doesn't want these lawsuits to go forward against Saudi Arabia. Like, duh, he wants Saudi Arabia's money, <coughs> which clearly is a bribe. Um, but anyhow, the the the, um, the message that went out on Twitter by the White House National Security Council spokesperson went out, what a coincidence, on September 11th, to, just to make the whole thing worse. I mean, they, just worse and worse and worse. It was. He said that it was supposed to go out on September 10th. It was just an honest mistake. Yes, and if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. Well, basically, um, these are things that have been going on since our uh, anniversary this year, the 9-11 anniversary. And also going on are the deaths among first responders from 9-11. The number of dead um, among first responders is now equal to the number of firefighters or first responders killed on the day of the tragedy. In other words, the, the number of uh, first responders who were killed on 9-11 by the 9-11 terrorists, now there is equal number of deaths in first responders from things like pulmonary fibrosis and cancer and, um, and so on, the same number. And this is continuing, of course, there are more people getting sick. Um, you know, this is from illnesses due to the time that they spent working on rescue and recovery efforts at Ground Zero. Um, there are also people who got sick from living in the area of Lower Manhattan, who hadn't, they weren't first responders, they weren't in the Twin Towers. Um, and there are over 11,000 fire New York Fire Department members who responded to the terror attacks who are still suffering from related illnesses, with 3,500 of these so far having cancer. Um, now, officially, the casualty account associated with the attacks is 2,996, including 2,977 victims and 19 hijackers. This is from the day of the attack, not counting the people who are dying, who are continuing to die. Um, thousands more were injured, and there, um, and there were 1,600 victims in the North Tower and another thousand in the South. Now, according to the CDC, 17,175 cancer diagnoses had been made among living first responders since 9-11 as of June 2023. In other words, so far, there are 17,175 
cancer diagnoses in all the people, not just the first responders. Um, let's see. Now, uh, more than 5,000 people in the area at the time, you know, in lower Manhattan have reportedly died from 9-11 related illnesses such as cancer and cardiovascular disease and also, um, also lung disease. So this is just if you live there and you didn't move after 9-11. Bottom line is that 9-11 is still affecting us physically, psychologically, and has not deterred the terrorists one bit. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.